dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Sometimes the voice of the gospel can best be heard by listening to voices of those who do not profess it, such as the case for Saul Alinsky. In his Rules for Radicals, this social agitator outlined a series of beliefs that have produced stunning success, but have they produced effective leadership? What's the difference between his philosophy on leadership and the truth of the gospel? Okay, everybody. Well, we're back here again to take another stab at trying to go deeper in our understanding of the principles of leadership, right? And we looked at Aquinas. We've looked at, you know, St. Paul. We've looked at different sources. And most recently, we just finished studying a little bit of Machiavelli's The Prince. I want to now turn to another source, a very modern source, for this same kind of analysis by looking at Saul Alinsky. All right, so Saul Alinsky was, you know, a very important figure in the American political scene in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and 60s until his death in 1972. And, you know, studying him is kind of controversial because people today will say, oh, Saul Alinsky is kind of the source of, of many things that are bad, right? And, and therefore, he, his thoughts should be discounted, you know, especially in Christian circles. And we, of course, are in the Christian circle of leadership. You know, you'd almost say, what's the value of studying somebody who espoused principles that really are in many ways uh, the antithesis of the Gospels? And I think that that's exactly why we need to study them. Sometimes in order to understand the Gospels' power and its unique contribution, we need to see what life would look like if you didn't have the gospel. And Solovinsky's political philosophy and his view on the leader and the role of leadership has much akin to the gospel, and yet at the same time really gives us a good glimpse of what life looks like when the truth of Jesus Christ is put in parentheses. Right? In other words, so if you say, I'm not sure if I really accept that the starting point of my philosophy of leadership is the divinity of Christ. Um, I, instead, I'm just going to say that the, the whole teaching of grace and of religion that comes is actually parenthetical to any kind of real understanding about leadership. We can extract our understanding of leadership from the context of the gospel and the context of our faith and do just fine. There I want to challenge you. Because when you do that, you're going to have a mind a lot like Sololinsky's. And when you get to a mind a lot like Sololinsky's, you're going to see, actually, that faith offers a uniquely powerful vision of leadership, one that transforms how we do it. And so I want you to be the great saints who will lead. And I don't think 
that you need to separate the effectiveness of your presence in the world, especially in the right in the fight for justice, from the true depths of spirituality and contemplation that come to us in our Catholic faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ and your prayer life with with him and your faith in the, all the context that the faith gives us is actually the foundation for a true leadership. And if you take away that foundation, you will replace it with principles that will undermine the very leadership that you seek to exert. Alinsky is, in other words, in my mind, an anti-leader. Not because he was not effective. In fact, he was extremely effective. And his Rules for Radicals is a book that has had a huge amount of impact on the conservative end of the spectrum as well as on the liberal end of the spectrum. It's almost like he takes tools here that are effective. That's not, it's not, leadership is not measured on how effective you are. Leadership is, is measured by the depth of the impact that you make. Olinsky's impact is going to be a broad impact one that's extended through all kinds of different parts of society, one that you can apply to many different circumstances. But the impact is also shallow in that it focuses in on political power. So if you want political power, well, Alinsky's rules are perennial, deep, true, and effective. I just am convinced that this is not the true definition of leadership, nor is it the one that Jesus Christ has baptized you and I to give. We aren't here to exert pure political power as if that was the be-all and end-all of life, or even if the material effects that come from our political posturings were the, the be-all and end-all of our earthly existence. No. As important as they are, as essential as they are, and as valued as they are, we're fighting for something even deeper. Our vision as Catholics for the human enterprise begins in this earth, uh, but as a reflection of the intense light that, end, that is found in its glory in heaven. We bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth without identifying earthly progress with the progress of the kingdom of heaven. Earthly progress is a yearning and a striving towards that kingdom but it's not the same thing. There's a transcendent value in the faith and in the perspective of heaven over this earth that is mirrored and gives birth to a transcendent aspect in our leadership as well. The impact that we make by influencing those around us as Christians is to bring the people around us to a knowledge of God and an encounter with God through Jesus Christ. And this is something that then spurs us in the correct order to bring that fully manifested into the physicality of bodies and houses and social justice issues. And everything that deals with the social sphere is even more impacted the deeper that we hold to our conviction of the passionate love that God has for us. You remove that, that love of God from the equation and you're going to actually weaken the social enterprise of justice in society. I think our leadership, in other words, is honed by spirituality and not diminished thereby. 
And that's the power of the gospel. Well, you can see that in relief when you see an antithesis, so to speak, an anti-leader who doesn't, in fact, lead the people to that definite goal, but instead offers a, a methodology which is extremely effective, but which could be deployed by many different types of organizations to whatever kind of ends they specify. And in fact, there's many aspects of Alinsky's philosophy which are just antithetical to the gospel equation. He, he's very much a son, and we're going to see this a little bit later, of Machiavelli and Machiavellian tactics, the end justifying the means. But whereas Machiavelli deployed that philosophy at the service of a king who himself would be at the service of the unity of the people, Alinsky deploys that philosophy to tear down the structures around them and leaves little in their place. This is 2020 hindsight, but it's very important for us because we're here to study what Christ wants to do and the great things he wants to us to accomplish in his name and for the Father's glory in our world. And so it's a fascinating gl glimpse to be able to look at what our lives would look like if we didn't have that same intent and we did have that same power. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. All right, so let's start to actually study here what Alinsky wrote, right? And before we do that, let's like to begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor. Breathe into our minds true knowledge. Help us to discern, to see what is good, to discard what is not, to be inspired in all things, to serve you with greater devotion and greater tenacity. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Saul David Alinsky, born January 30th, 1909, died June 12th, 1972. So he died young at age 63. Uh, born in Chicago, died in California. He studied you know, in Chicago, was going for a master's degree, dropped out uh, at the University of Chicago, went on you know, after that to become a political organizer. And, you know, he was no intellectual slouch, I can tell you that much. He wrote three different books, The Reve for Radicals and The Rules for Radicals being the most famous. Reve for Radicals is uh, 1946. Rules for Radicals is 1971. One year, actually, before he was to die in 1972. So the last year of his life, he wrote this book, which is the most famous of his three, the other one being a, biogra a biography of John Lewis, who himself, of course, was a very famous social agitator in his own day. So what is unique here about Rules for Radicals? I want to take you in this course through every chapter. So this is great because I know, you know, in speaking with people, a lot of people have told me, you know, I, I've heard of that book. You know, I, I've, I've heard it mentioned many times. Rush Limbaugh has brought it up many times. Glenn Beck has mentioned him many times that there's a link between 
President Obama and Saul Alinsky. There's a link between Hillary Clinton and Saul Alinsky. And this was, of course, exploited by people. But, you know, there's also uh, a, a link between, you know, the Republicans and Saul Alinsky. He's not, you know, it's not just the Democrats that use this guy. The Tea Party movement, for example, they went and issued a book called The Rules for Conservative Radicals, right? And that that book was given to every every one of the leaders of the Tea Party movement and and so forth. It, it's because his thinking in this book describes things that are effective and methods that are effective. And he does it here in this book in, in a matter of rules. Many people have said they heard about this book, but in fact, not a lot of people have actually read it. And I want to actually read this with you. So we're going to go through in, in, in chapter by chapter so that we can have a real thorough analysis of his thought precisely because of its power today and also because he really represents for us a great example of what leadership looks like without Christ, both for, you know, the, the, some of its excellent features, but also it shows us the unique place of a Christian leader. And people will ask me this. They'll say, Father Nathan, what, what exactly does the faith add to leadership? Well, by looking at Sololinsky's thinking, you're going to see the gaps and the, the shallowness, the short-sightedness, the breaking points that actually show us how wonderful what the gospel teaches us about leadership actually is. And it's not all negative about Solovinsky. It's just that it's going, to, it's going to also represent places where we see the positive contribution of the gospel and hopefully where you are all encouraged to follow Christ even more effectively so that your leadership will be even more appreciable. If you take a look at the, the book, there's actually 10 different kind of sections to it. And the first is that of the prologue. And let's just kind of plunge right into this. He begins the prologue by speaking about something that I think is really amazing. He starts by the audience. He wants to know what it is that people seek today. If I'm going to organize people, I'm going to lead people. I don't want to start from myself and start from what I want to give to the world. If I'm going to be effective, I need to start with the customer. Right? I need to start with the people that I'm going to be leading and, and asking myself, what are they looking for? It's a great lesson for us, right, as leaders to do just that. It's the temptation that we have is to say, I know everything and you following me means you conforming to me. And so Linsky doesn't do that in his thinking here. Instead, he begins right off the bat by saying, what are the people looking for? There's an outward focus, which is really a good thing for us to pick up on. He, if you're going to motivate people to do things, put their lives on the line, strain their energies forward, you need to see the deeper questions that they're trying to solve. Donald Miller, from a contemporary example, you know, is really focused on this in his story brand marketing. He says, you know, everyone has very limited, limited time. And so everyone's trying to find their way forward in their life. You'll be effective in harnessing their energies if you can align your messaging with their needs. Well, Olinsky does that right in the prologue. And he says, the thing that the people need today more than anything, everyone who's, who's aiming to do something great in the world, all radicals, he puts it down as a search for meaning. People want to know what life is all about. 
is there anything more than progress in economics? What are the ethical and spiritual motivations of a people? This is important because sometimes people will talk, call Alinsky, you know, this kind of like a, an atheist who is hostile to religion. And, and that's not really quite the case. He certainly had certain positions that were antithetical to the Gospels, and he could certainly say things that were hostile to religious attitudes. But he always wanted the society to go towards a place that he explicitly said was defined by Judeo-Christian ideals. That's an important thing. His criticism was more with what he labeled as hypocrisy on behalf of those who were purporting those ideals more than a hostility towards the ideals themselves. That, that's an important point because for, for that's one of the, the seeming contradictions in his book is on the one hand in the prologue, he'll say that there are no rules and that values and morals constantly shift. And on the other hand, he'll say that he's trying to get people to understand the truth you know, of their life and the deep meaning that they really want to have. And so it's just a bit of a murky realm, you know, that you see there. But the principle remains a touch point between Catholicism and, and his philosophy and activism. And that the touch point is that all of that we try to do as Christian leaders builds upon a deep spiritual search in the hearts and the souls of those who are around us. And if we're running our businesses and we're not in touch with that deeper spiritual search, the, the, the quest for a good family, the search for a, a happy home life, the, the balance between work and social life, and even the religious sentiments in our workers, well, we're going to exert a leadership over them which is, which is shallow and less than what it could be. I have great power when I am put in a position of ownership of a company or management of a team. I get to create the cultural values and lead according to a set of cultural values that can either be deep, extensive, and helpful or, or shallow, frankly, and diminutive to the human person. If you just think of the decorations in your workplace or the way that you interact with each other or the time that you give for legitimate rest uh, or the celebration for accomplishments or the reference points of conversations. These are very subtle things, but by espousing a genuine Christian ethos, I allow the gospel's impact through those various means to dispose my people towards a legitimate search where they can answer the deeper questions of their lives in part right at the workplace that, I'm, that I manage. And we need to do that to every, every degree that we can. But what that, that's the, his, his kind of noble starting point. Then he moves on to three points that I think are really important for us to study and understand. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. All right, so when we look there at the, the, the prologue again, we saw that he begins with looking for what is the meaning and, and touching man's quest for the, the 
impalpable and intangible kind of spiritual answers to their dilemmas. But then he gives three points that I think are really effective for us. Number one, he speaks about change and he says, what change requires more than else is effective communication. Isn't that, isn't that something, right? Because like, when you look at what's going on in our world today and the use of the media, where every one of us has a phone in our pocket that's full of information coming at us, we can understand that change is going to come by controlling that device. And that's very much Solovinsky. You know, he's going to say, if you really want to, 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 to speak, you've got to speak the language of the people that you're trying to change. If I'm going to lead you, I need to identify myself with what symbols you actually hold dear. What is it that, how is it that you express your identity? And then I simply espouse that symbol with a meaning that I want to give it. I take the power of a symbol and I subvert its meaning to something that I want to say thereby. <laughs> he gives the example of the American flag. He says, we should be burning the American flag even if we're against what we believe it stands for. Instead, we should simply redefine the American flag according to the values that we want to give it. Uh, you could say that's pretty sneaky. Well, in a sense, it's an archetype of how uh, 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 any leader needs to communicate by beginning by understanding the language of those to whom they are communicating. Now, of course, we wouldn't, as Christians, want to lie or subvert the meaning of that. We would want to fulfill it, to bring it to an even deeper truth and reality in God. Do you take that American flag instead of just symbolizing some sort of political freedom? We would say it symbolizes political freedom and it symbolizes the noble gift that God wants to give us by the freedom of grace and so forth. You know, you, this is the work of missionaries. But whereas the power of communication for Alinsky emphasizes here at least the destruction of the symbol's original meaning, we Christians take the symbol's original meaning and bring it to a fulfillment and to a higher level in the gospel. But the point I want to make though is that he emphasizes that changing a group from one position to another requires that you communicate with them. In fact, he'll go on in the prologue to emphasize the importance of belonging to the system instead of being on the outside of it. And this is something I think Hillary Clinton picked up on when she wrote her senior thesis about Solovinsky, she actually made that, that exact comment, you know, that the importance that of Alinsky's thought is that he wanted folks to agitate within a system. He wanted them to take over the current system instead of operating on the outside of it in a kind of protest that he would deem inefficient and ineffective. And so to do that, you, requiring within the system, you need to, as he puts it, and engage in a staged process of transformation. Revolution, he says, is impossible without reformation. Now, by that, he means a kind of intermediate stage. If you're going to go from A to C, you need to pass through B. And then he goes on to say every form of change from A to C requires that the position A that you start off with be deemed untenable or at least ineffective 
dissatisfying for the people who are in it. When they become dissatisfied with their present state, they enter into what he calls the state of reformation, which is a state where they're actually looking for the change that you want to bring. And so to get people from a state A where they don't want to change to a state B where they're actually looking for change, it requires what he calls agitation. And this is, of course, where some of Alinsky's greatest criticism can be waged against him, right? Because the means that he took for agitation are, are radical, sometimes even violent. And he would say we shouldn't hesitate to look at ourselves now as if we're in a situation of modern revolution. You can understand why some of his principles would go on to fuel groups that actually did wage violence and be criticized by many people as being akin to the, the tactics of communists. And in fact, well, th they are. And Alinsky wouldn't shrink from that. He would simply say it's a necess necessity for true revolution to pass through a stage where the people want to embrace it before you bring it. And that stage sometimes needs to be provoked by what he calls agitation. So those are the three, you could say the four points here of the prologue that are the, the most important. The first is to say we got to be in touch with our people and got to be in touch with what they're looking for. The second is we got to be willing to communicate with them. And, and that would require the third, that we stay in the system that we're trying to transform because, and that brings us to the fourth, we, it's a transformation is a process of gradual change going through stages. Now, beyond the importance of just looking at that thought, I want to put that in the light of Christ. Can't we as Christians say the same? That in fact, we are, need to engage ourselves in our leadership to the point of belonging with the people that we're trying to change, communicate with them according to the idioms that they themselves have, accept that the change and the impact we're trying to make is actually progressive, and that in that all of that change needs to be rooted in the deep search of the hearts of the people that we're trying to influence. Well, I think you can say that. The difference is that we approach it with a much greater depth and the ethical guidelines that Christ gives us for his kingdom impose themselves as a necessary absolute. Whereas Alinsky, for Alinsky, there are no ethical guidelines beyond that of the change you're trying to affect. This is a great difference and one that we can take with us as we try to become the leaders Christ wants us to be. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.